After Formula One has just made a short trip to probably the flattest and most dull racing circuit that we could possibly have in the form of Las Vegas. Yes, I know it's not ready, but still. We are now going to Sao Paulo for the Brazilian Grand Prix. And this one is going to be manic. What a crazy circuit. What crazy fans we have here in Brazil. And every single time, I think we can all just look back over the years and say, well, the Brazilian GP, has it ever given us a terrible race? And the answer to that question largely can be, no, it really hasn't. Every year has been something special. And that is exactly what we're going to talk about on this episode of the Inside Line F1 podcast, previewing the Brazilian Grand Prix, what's to look forward to, and also sharing you more insights about our live race watch along coming this Sunday. So stay tuned on that. But firstly, I must introduce myself. My name is Soma Larora. I'm the host of The Driving Force on Disney Plus Hotstar. And joining me as always, firstly, is Kunal Shah, the former marketing head of the Force India F1 team, who now works as an FIA accredited Formula 1 journalist for the Viaplay Network. And of course, F1 stats guru Sundaram. And Sundaram, first off, right, I'm, I'm so confused about this one. We haven't had a full-time Brazilian driver at the Brazilian GP since 2017, but this year, do, do we count it as no Brazilian drivers on the grid or not? Because Lewis no, no. Hamilton has just been given his citizenship. We do have, uh, you can't say, you can't call him a Brazilian driver because Lewis Hamilton has been awarded uh, the honorary citizenship of Brazil. And it, it's kind of ironic in a way because Lewis Hamilton is the reason why Brazil's native driver, Felipe Massa, lost a championship back in 2008. He was world champion for 30 seconds. And if not for that last lap uh, pass over Team O'Clock, they would have won, They would have had one more world champion in, in the 2000s. <laughs> so, w- what do you think about it, Kunal? Do we now finally have one Brazilian driver on the grid? And does last year's win count as a home driver winning in a home race? To me, now that all the championships are wrapped up, these are just those off-track stories to keep Formula One, to keep the fan bases engaged. What I really care about is the fact that this is the Max Verstappen era. He's making all those records, you know, 14 wins in a season, most uh, most points scored in a season by any driver. Question is, can he score a maximum of 34 points Again, this weekend, there is the sprint race happening on Saturday. That means qualifying is on Friday. There's going to be the usual talk about, hey, is the sprint really a race? Because Max has turned around and said it's not actually a race because, you know, people don't take a risk and so on. So it's a typical banter that's going to go on around the sprint. But I'm eager to see if, you know, he can score uh, 34 points again because that would mean winning the sprint. That would mean winning the race uh, on Sunday, that is, and then taking the fastest lap point as well. So that's something I want to see because, you know, when you have a car like this under you and when you're in the form of your life that you are in, you want to maximize it because you don't know if you're going to have it next year or the next race. And specifically in Red Bull's case, you know, next uh, year with a 10% reduction and all of that you really don't know how it's all going to shape up so i'm you know i'm in, i'm eager to see what max verstappen is able to do out here and uh, and also you know what else of max will, will we measure i mean let's let's look at it that way i mean we in mexico were measuring his lap time consistency during the race now when was the last time we actually did that and of course, one of the reasons we are doing that is because everything that Max is doing right now is gold. And and how much more gold are we going to see in the last two races of the season? 
What if he actually ends up with that 16 race win record? Uh, it will just be possibly unbreakable until, of course, Formula 1 comes up with 30 races and Max Verstappen goes on to beat that one as well. But here's a completely fun and useless stat for this weekend that I think you should probably know about. Uh, Brazil has a new president, Lula da Silva. He's back in power. He was in power for the last time in 2011. And correct me if I'm wrong over here, folks, and you can reach out to me on social media for this one, but I think it's the longest time gap between two races in the country where we have the same democratically elected leader. Useless, but it's something. I mean, at least we have a race for them. It looked like last week we wouldn't even have that for the first place. I'm really happy I don't store this sort of information in in my database. And and when I came across this, I'm like, wow, this is such a random thing. And yes, there was a little bit of a doubt if the Brazilian Grand Prix will go uh, go ahead. But I think they've quashed all those rumors. And yes, we are going to see the Sao Paulo Grand Prix. Uh, the very interesting thing I want to point out is the the pronunciation of of Sao Paulo because a lot of uh, a lot of people who who mentioned it on the broadcast they call it Sao Paulo, and the little squiggly line on top of the is called a tilde and it has a very nasal effect so it's called Sao Paulo pretty interesting well you guys are really making a lot of off-track stories just to keep the energy and the interest going on into the season but I'm going to bring it back to Formula One right thank you by the way for that uh, pronunciation I don't think I'm ever going to get it I'm anyway struggling with my Norsk pronunciations. All our listeners in Norway can reach out and do some practicing of Norsk with me. But uh, coming back to this whole thing, is it Sao Paulo? Is it the Brazilian Grand Prix? The truth is, it's about who is actually paying the money. And it's the Sao Paulo government or the local municipality that's probably footing the bill. And that's why it's called the Sao Paulo Grand Prix. It's the, only the second time it's been called that, which was last year as well. But guess what? I don't know what the hashtag on social media is going to be. Is it going to be Sao Paulo or GP? Is it going to be Brazil GP or what? Or Brazilian GP, which sort of takes half your Twitter uh, characters away. Anyway, but talking of sprint still, the last time we had a sprint weekend was also the last time Charles Leclerc scored a Grand Prix win back in Austria. Also, Haas is keeping on reminding us that the last time uh, they scored uh, points or the last time, the last two times there was a sprint weekend and a Grand Prix weekend, they scored points. And their highest per weekend score this season was in Austria, which was 14 points from a Grand Prix weekend. So, you know, they've been trying to play up saying it's a sprint weekend. We are charged up. We want to go score points again because they are in a battle for, I think it's P8 in the championship by one point or something thereabout. So uh, P2, P4, P6, P8, everybody in uh, in who likes even numbers will remember that these four uh, slots, even slots in the constructors championship are up for grabs. Let's see how it all pans out in, you know, in less than 10 days, this season is going to end. And there are so many other battles to keep a track of as well. There's, there's Sergio Perez versus Charles Leclerc. There's, of course, the battle for P4 in the championship. So many other fun things. And we are going to keep a track on that in the live race watch along with Peter Windsor this weekend. And you must join us this weekend, folks, because what we're offering is sort of the best possible second screen experience you could have. We've got lifetiming with us. We've got Peter sharing his insights on the sport specifically on the driving styles of all the drivers and the live race strategy as the race goes on. And you can interact with him for free. The session is open to everyone while the race goes on as well. So it offers, I think, quite a dynamic element to the race where you can interact and also send in your questions while the race progresses. And 
For speaking of Peter, there's a lot of fun stories that he shared in the last episode of the Inside Line of One podcast. So why don't we listen to him? Why don't we get a good idea of what he thinks is going to be the most important factor to expect this weekend? And also some other fun stories about Brazil's Formula One history. Let's listen. Well, I think the Brazilians are quite astute, aren't they? And they can see that Senna was a better driver than Nelson Piquet, probably. Simple as that. Um, I think a better question, to be honest, is why Emerson Fittipaldi isn't on a higher pedestal than hmm. the one on which he sits. Because without Emerson, we may not have had we may not have had Senna or Piquet. I mean, he started it all and he was really good, Emerson. I mean, he was at least as good as Nelson, if not better. Well, definitely better, I think, in my view. Nelson, I think the problem with Nelson that he, was that he drove for Brabham and it was always a bit sort of seedy, wasn't it? The whole thing about, you know, that in 81 when he eventually won the championship, effectively by default because Carlos Reutemann won it that year. But having three months after winning the South African Grand Prix, they decided to strip that race of points. And the guy that did that was Bernie Eccleston, whose driver then went on to win the championship. I mean, it was the most ludicrous thing that everybody that he was allowed to get away with that year. But nonetheless, Nelson did get that championship in the end by one point. But it was in a car that had ridiculous advantage for quite a lot of races because they just had a new six centimetre ride height rule. And Brabham effectively, I'm not going to use the word cheated because they got away with it, but they circumnavigated the rule with a, a way of dropping the car down to the road. So it was effectively full ground effect when everybody else was running high, you know, and that, those sorts mm. of things. I mean, Ayrton, Ayrton didn't win races that way. He won races because he was a super quick driver, whereas Nelson always had that bit of a, you know, thing about him. And when he was at Williams, he got blown away by Nigel anyway. So, you know, I think that, I mean, when did when did Ayrton get blown away by a teammate the way Nelson did in uh, at Williams? So I think it's that really, and I think the Brazilians are say quite discerning. You know, they would have known that Ayrton was the pure racing driver, whereas Nelson always needed these sort of extra bits and bobs to to give him the win. Generally, I mean, there were occasions when he was really good, but overall, I think that's the way history looks at Nelson Piquet. If it's dry, I can't see any way in the world that. Red Bull won't be the dominant car around there. And obviously, Max, totally confident now, mathematically with the second world championship now secured, you know, who's going to beat Max around there in a car as quick as that? Um, you know, in theory, it won't be a great circuit for Mercedes because it is bumpy. I'm sure it'll be bumpy, even if they try and resurface it. And if it's bumpy, they'll be on the limit in terms of vertical oscillation and all the other stuff. If it's wet, in theory, that should be nullified. But then Lewis was so slow in Singapore in the early laps in the wet, you know, it doesn't seem to apply anyway. So, you know, I suppose Mercedes will struggle there. And Ferrari, I guess it'll be a bit of a handful. They're probably right on the edge of, of downforce and where they can be. So you're probably going to see Carlos Sainz having a few moments and Charles maybe on Friday having a couple of um, events as well. But yeah, Ferrari will be quick there. There's no question it's a good car. No. Welcome back in to the Inside Line F1 podcast, folks. As you heard previously, you can join us for the live race watch along with Peter Windsor by clicking on the link in the description of this episode or in the bio of any of our social media channels because this one is going to be a fun one. And remember, the registration is absolutely free for everyone. But speaking of this weekend, speaking of what to expect with Peter Sundaram, he spoke about the weather. And I think that's going to be pretty crucial because there's, there's some signs that it could be slightly tricky and at a circuit like Sao Paulo, at a circuit like Interlagos, where passing is slightly easy, I think that could add up to make it quite a fun race at the end. Oh, it absolutely can. And and that's one of the characteristics of this particular track. The weather can 
can literally turn without any warning and all the mechanics and all the team strategists have to really be on their toes trying to figure out what best tires to put on, on the car and we've seen some drivers really excel in these sort of situations max verstappen and and uh, many other drivers as well and that could really spice things up and especially if it's pred- it's predicted for right throughout the week and not just the race even for qualifying and and the practice sessions so, so that can actually mix things up uh, and it can actually spoil team's plans when it comes to setup and their other practice programs so this could be that one of those races where you might see a mclaren or even an alpine car make it up to the podium or maybe even lewis hamilton win a lewis hamilton win isn't that what everybody is wanting it's more like hey let's have lewis hamilton win and then maybe mercedes but frankly <laughs> mercedes has said they are trying to get a win uh, they're trying to focus on winning and they're closer to winning they've been closer to winning in austin and mexico the last two races can they really spring a surprise and win the question is going to be whether yes the question is also going to be about, be about altitude because we saw what the altitude did to the mercedes in mexico and what also it didn't do to the ferrari in mexico so you know ferrari versus mercedes will be ferrari versus mercedes versus altitude depending on who's able to make that variable sort of work out right and uh, lewis hamilton he's really been on form i believe after verstappen and leclerc he has scored most points for any driver since the canadian grand prix which was 12 or 13 races ago if i remember correctly so that's that's you know typical mercedes versus ferrari that's what we are literally going to be you know looking out for uh will mercedes be third time lucky or not who knows but interestingly uh mercedes has scored uh very few points in the sprint races if there are you know the f1 tells us there are fans interested in sprint races and here's a, you know a sprint race related stat uh they've scored only 6 points which is actually lesser than red bull ferrari mclaren put to, not put together but which is you know basically they've only been the fourth highest team scorer when it comes to uh you know sprint uh, races and they now have the record for the most podium finishes in a season without winning a race right so let's see how that goes but does it not bother you guys that we are trying to talk up a mercedes win which is a surprise win but hey ferrari winning would be a surprise as well because it's been nine races since they've won and i believe leclerc versus perez which is the second spot in the drivers championship has changed hands three times since the summer break Ferrari what Ferrari I mean are you talking about Ferrari in the World Hypercar Championship I, I don't know if they still exist in Formula 1 I thought they left the sport after Monaco no I mean jokes aside it seems unlikely at this stage but for for all we know maybe this could be one last surprise that we potentially have in store perhaps Ferrari gathering up some momentum but it's really weird what's happened after and the technical regulation has come in and ferrari really have lost all of their momentum but i think that's a, that's the fun thing about sao paulo sometime or the other we always tend to find some teams bringing up a surprise like red bull in 2019 red bull in 2020 carlos sainz having a really good year in 2019 here as well so surprises are kind of normal in sao paulo sundaram we we have seen quite a few of them and along with the altitude along with the weather just the just the opportunities that you have to pass over here I think that just makes the circuit amazing. Plus, it's rather weird location that it's in the middle of some really big apartment complexes. So it, it feels like in the middle of nowhere, but it's certainly not in the middle of nowhere from certain angles. It's just a weird mix, but everything just fits in together. This just feels like a proper racing circuit. Oh, absolutely. I mean, 
as a kid when i used to play the formula 1 game on on the playstation or even on on the computer this particular track was when i would usually start at the back of the grid and make my way up to the front of it because it was real fun and it was it was one of those tracks where it was really possible and not just me i'm sure even the drivers really love driving around this circuit it has a little bit of everything it has the senna ss it has a tight technical section in between and the, the highlight is that start finish straight that extra start extra long start finish straight where we're going to see a lot of lot of overtakes and it's it's just brilliant and i'll quote what pierre gasly has said he's of course said he's highlighted that this is an anti clockwise circuit while yuki sonoda has said it's a left handed circuit because there are more left handed turns than right handed turns right uh track limits important at turn 4 if you saw the brazilian grand prix last year you will remember what turn 4 track limits are maybe the fi still doesn't know maybe it's 20 meters after the exit curb or or even more i don't know but very interestingly pierre gasly also pointed out that this was one of those tracks where none of the straights are actually a straight so the buzzword this weekend could be it's like driving a go-kart on a go-kart circuit because ocon alonso i think even verstappen's of the likes have turned around and said that the 2022 cars are like go-karts right so i'm i'm eager to see how the racing is going to be because interlagos usually throws up some really good races remember uh, lewis hamilton from the back last year remember lewis hamilton in qualifying and in park fermi last year you know he had that 0.2 mm uh, uh you know deviation in his uh, drs wing so that's that's going to be interesting and we spoke about the weather there have been 10 safety car appearances in the last 5 races on an average this is what aston martin tells us and pit lane time loss is very low tire wear is extremely high i believe pirelli have come with c2 c3 and c4 for the last time in 2022 so we'll see how those compounds go but it's normally expected to be a two stop race with a lot of overtaking uh you know again aston martin points out that turn 1 and turn 4 is where 80% of the moves come which is basically a breaking points at the end of two long drs zones right so i am pretty sure it's going to be a very exciting race weekend in itself and uh, you know max verstappen has said a sprint is not really a race but the very fact that we'll have two starts and two opening laps that's what gets me charged up anyway and clearly i think it's going to be a max verstappen win at some point i've been debating this with myself you know red bull have never scored a 1 2 in the drivers championship before and christian horner says they want to help perez do that now could helping perez mean that max gifts a win to perez just because perez has done so much to, to help max win these two titles it seems very unverstappen like if he moves over to let perez win but hey Michael Schumacher has done it before so why not Max Verstappen you know we've been seeing all these parallels being sort of driven and here's an interesting stat if Verstappen does win a 15th race this season either Brazil or Abu Dhabi he would have scored as many wins in one season as Jenson Button scored in 17 seasons in Formula 1 wow that is a bad one i, I used to be a Jenson Button fan as a kid that's just crushed me apart Wow, I mean, I, I think you mean when rather than if that's going to happen. But strange, I, I just hope that Red Bull end up doing that. Maybe just give the call and perhaps repay Sergio Perez for everything he's done. And you know, it'll be quite amazing to see him finish in P2 after so many struggles in his Formula One career. But that is 
sort of a dream, sort of a fantasy for everyone. But what's more realistic, perhaps, is is perhaps a Mercedes win, which is exactly what Andre Pound is asking. Will Mercedes finally win this time? Well, if something happens to Checo, if something happens to Ferrari, there is possibly a chance. But I think we are seeing Mercedes get closer, Kunal. I think maybe the sprint might be possible, not, not the whole race, right? Because we see Mercedes just end up losing the pace over the course of the long-run Grand Prix. And they've done it for what? Mexico, they've done it in the US as well. It's been two consecutive races where push strategic calls have impacted their decisions. So a win for them kind of seems unlikely at this stage. But for all we know, maybe it could be a sprint, a, a big surprise perhaps for all of us. You know, if they end up winning a sprint race, I think that'll be the biggest advertisement for a sprint race for in the history of sprint races in Formula One because it'll be hailed as a comeback and, oh my God, Mercedes won against a Ferrari and a Red Bull and whoever and, and so on, right? So that would actually be a fantastic advertisement. Now that I think of it, I'm repeating myself in the more affirmative way rather than putting it as a question, right? But talking of Mercedes still, going back to Hamilton when he got, you know, a couple of days ago, he got his honorary citizenship. And I loved this. And I'm talking being neutral. I realize when I speak about 2021 Abu Dhabi and what happened, it's important to state where you stand. I'm being neutral. Whatever's happened has happened. Uh, Was it right, wrong? I've spoken about this before. But, you know, when he was given the honorary citizenship, he was called an eight times world champion. And the the, the announcer, and it was an official of the state government, right, said that Lewis was actually robbed of his title last year. So Brazil is awarded uh, honorary citizenship to an eight-time champion, I would say. And lastly, after his uh, run of form in Austin and then Mexico, Lewis Hamilton is back in the top five of the championship. He's ahead of Carlos Sainz. And Lewis has actually never not finished outside of the top five in his Formula One career whatsoever. And the gap between him and Sainz is only four points. What, even in 2009? I I thought he ended up finishing low down in that, but that's remarkable the way it's playing out. Now, let's also talk about the other questions that we received on social media. And folks, you can also send them in to us by contacting us on our social media channels. And the link is down in the description. There's one from JamieQ05. Compounds are the same as Mexico. Can we expect another one-stopper, Sundaram? I don't think so. It's going to be a one-stopper. And I don't think so. It's going to be as dull a race as it was the last time out. So technically, the teams will be going for a two-stopper. That's what we saw last year as well. And they probably wouldn't go for the softest compound. So they're going to be using the mediums and the hearts. And with with a lot of overtaking on offer, it I think there will be a lot of different strategies that teams can opt for. And they will most likely go for a two-stopper. It's unlikely they would go for one. Safety car interventions will happen. Pit lane time loss is oh, less. Yes. But yes. I actually have a different view. Everybody else will do a medium hard. If they do that, Red Bull will do a soft medium because Red Bull are just able to go one step softer than their immediate rivals. But that's just a crazy prediction that I'm trying to make. <laughs> Let's actually wait and see if that happens. And if they really want a challenge, maybe just send Max to the back of the grid and see what's the worst that can happen. Right? That'll be something incredibly fun. And this is the best circuit you could possibly do that because you've got lots of spaces in as well. Now, the final question that we've got on our social media is, is there any chance for anyone outside of the top three to potentially take a podium as well? I I don't know. If, 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 if out of all the places of the season, I think this is going to be the one. And Rihanna Jackson has asked that question. I just want to take your bold predictions on this one, guys. 
will it be Fernando Alonso? And actually, the first question should be, will Fernando Alonso finish the race soon enough? Because if he does, I think it'll be hard to argue against him as being the most likely potential podium finisher. But what do you reckon about this whole scenario? Ah, is Alonso going to finish? That's a big question. And and for someone who's followed him for close to two decades, I know he carries a lot of bad luck wherever he goes, be it MotoGP, be it Indy, wherever he goes. And whoever he supports or whichever team's logo he's wearing, he, there always tends to be a retirement written all over it. Uh, but the interesting fact is that Alonso has not retired from the Brazilian Grand Prix since 2009. That is 12 years, 13 years ago. And let's see if that streak continues. But if he does finish... And again, like, like we mentioned before, the weather is going to play a huge part. If it's if it's a dry race, I think it's a very straightforward Red Bull winning this uh, along with the Mercedes and Ferraris up there. But if it does rain and if it does rain throughout the weekend, maybe we can see Fernando Alonso or probably even the other Alpine making it to the podium. So I'm not really ruling that out. It is a possibility. I'll tell you who else needs to finish a race. That's Yuki Sonoda because he has outqualified Gasly eight times this season and he only did it twice in 2021 right he has received more grid penalties than any driver this year and he has retired in four of the last nine races out of which he was the first dnf in three of them right so yuki zanoda is on a roll but needs to finish races but the driver in focus this weekend for all the wrong reasons i i'm not sure could be Mick Schumacher, because there is this thing of, hey, is Mick uh, going to be, you know, giving way to Nico Hulkenberg? And to me, it could very well be, be that the whole Haas-Schumacher uh, situation is being played up uh, with Hulkenberg's name being put in for Netflix reasons. You never know, uh, you know, the deal might be done, but they're just waiting and they're putting in all these paddock rumors just to spice things up for Netflix towards the end of the season. I don't know. I'm going to actually tweet that out and see what people say. But Mick currently has the longest pointless streak. And he actually scored the last time there was a sprint weekend in Austria 10 races ago. So could the sprint and a Grand Prix weekend actually bring him luck? And if it does, I'm sure he'll be the one saying, let's not have six, but have 16 sprint and Grand Prix weekends in 2023. No, I have an interesting... I have an interesting point with this whole Hulkenberg news that's been coming in because um, Haas has got a new sponsor in, in MoneyGram and they're not going to be finishing the Constructors' Championship last. So they're going to be finishing 8th or ninth. So that probably means more money coming in for them this year. And that allows Nico Hul- someone like Nico Hulkenberg coming in, if that is true. But my point on that is that maybe they are going for someone with a little bit of experience rather than a rookie because Haas's last few drivers, especially starting from Romain Grosjean, Nikita Mazepin and Mick Schumacher haven't been the most cleanest of racers. They've been very accident prone and that's led to the team paying a huge bill when it comes to parts or other resources. So maybe what Haas are trying to do is to go for a stable lineup and a, a lineup that doesn't doesn't crash too often trying to save money in a way (laughs) if anything Haas is the team that wants to be the most boring one right now because they've added so much spice and flavor in the last couple of years that I think now is the time for them to just be rather rather quiet and rather stable with the driver lineup but that is rather interesting also another one Pierre Gasly as well he's one race away from a race ban I mean look at him it would be like Chris Evans the actor from Captain America being arrested for assaulting somebody. How could that be 
possible. I mean, just look at the person. It is so unlikely that something that could possibly happen. But wow, we what a weekend this could be on the whole. Gasly one step closer to a ban. Mercedes potentially in the mix, but most importantly, a sprint race and chances for Max Verstappen to extend his lead in history. Crazy weekend all around. This is going to be so much fun. But folks, don't forget to join us for the live race watch along this Sunday by clicking on the link in the description below. You can join in and you can send in your questions to Peter. Interact while the race is going on and know more about the driving styles of all the drivers live as the race happens. And all of that is for free. So don't forget to check that out, folks. And enjoy the weekend. Have a fun time. We shall be back on Monday with the race review. Bye-bye.